I've got a message for you, and you're not going to like it. Pray for death. Another episode of Garbage Film, the show that seeks to prove that arty and trashy movies have a lot in common, and you don't need to enjoy just one or the other. So to do that, we will take our movie of the week and pair it with something artier or trashier, and hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite, or at the very least, are entertained. I am one of your hosts, Nick, and with me, as always, is the spooky soup to my man who's really bugs. Aaron is here. Hi, Aaron. Hello. It's the worst noise to put on a microphone. <laughs> yep, but you're the one that has to edit it, so... <laughs> it's like my past mistakes are coming back to haunt me, <gasps> somehow. From millions of years ago. <laughs> Welcome to what we are retroactively deciding is a series for the winter. We did previously a summer of Spielberg, and we're here with what I like to call Carp Winter. Yeah. <laughs> where we are discussing John Carpenter for the winter. Nice. Uh, we started Airtight. off. Yep, you can't. You can find no fault with it. It is impossible. I've tried. Uh, empirically locked up. Uh, we started last week with the thing because it rules, and we decided, hey, that's a ton of fun to talk about. Let's start out with at least covering all of John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy. Yeah. If you don't know what that is, we'll talk about it later, probably. Uh, so we're gonna <laughs> be talking all winter month, something like that, for the next little while about the original JC, John Carpenter. Oh God. <laughs> We do think this episode is going to get us excommunicated from whether, whatever church yeah. hears it. We're not even members of anything in particular. We're just in trouble. Name a church this podcast they is going like on their <laughs> blacklist. <Shit list. laughs> yeah, the Catholic that, League of De- Decency. Decency. <laughs> to be fair, that's a dumb name and it's hard to say accordingly. So. They've come up constantly on this podcast yeah, and do. we're finally hitting back. <laughs> Catholic See how you like it, Catholic League, League of, of Decency. Decency. Enunciate. They don't unique. deserve to have their yeah, unique New York. <laughs> unique escape from New York. Um, no, Not part of the... Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get to our movie. This Shall week, we? We are talking about the often maligned middle child of the Apocalypse trilogy. This is 1987's Prince of Darkness. Anyone in close proximity has the same dream. What is it? A secret that can no longer be kept. His power. There's a weird locking mechanism. Looks like it can only be opened from the inside. A life form is growing out of prebiotic fluid. It's not winding down into disorder. It's self-organizing. It's becoming something. What? new life, benevolence, asleep until now. Prince of Darkness. This is one that I certainly didn't know. I knew all of John Carpenter's big hits. I didn't know this one at all until maybe two years ago or so. Yeah. And if you're like me and don't know what it is, here's a 
quick synopsis that I definitely took from somewhere else. A research team finds a mysterious cylinder in a deserted church. If opened, it could mean the end of the world. There yep, that's about all there is to it, folks. Pretty much. <laughs> There's more to it. <laughs> Kinda. First of all, they don't exactly find it. There's mm. a there's a priest who dies, and this triggers a series of the most awesomely named group in the world, the Brotherhood of Sleep. <laughs> Turns so out sleepy. they've been guarding this cylinder, and now there's no one left to guard it. So mm. someone tangentially attached to the group has to alert, has to like bring in help. Yeah, and like. I love the, just to get right into it, I love the opening credits that really, Carpenter is such an efficient filmmaker and that's one of the things that makes his movies so rewatchable for me. There's nothing that ever yeah. really, there's no slack on anything. It's just like, next scene, next scene. This is the movie that does this the most where it's like, I don't care about characters. I don't care about <laughs> much of a In plot. any sense, yeah. I just want every scene to have a purpose and for them to be just strung into each other. And the first, like, I want to say like 15-ish minutes is just the opening credits constantly interrupting what is essentially a montage yeah like the the credit title cards are mm -hmm. cut into the i love that opening i don't know yeah. what it is but there's like the the music is going as well and there's this great sense of setup yeah that like things are coming to a point where you're cutting between the titles and the and you know you know the order that title cards generally, or not title cards, but like credits yeah. generally go in. You know, as you're approaching the directed by John Carpenter card, that scene that goes with it is going to be like the most, the like sharpest one. Yeah, and that's what like pins all of our characters. Like, oh, they're already, they're on a collision course with wackiness. They exactly. are all going to come. It together. does feel like yeah, two yeah. things about to intersect. Yeah, but love that, that opening. That like 10, 15 minutes is what a first act would normally be somewhere else, yes, and it's just yeah. a like. It's great, JC. Just like I'm cutting through all this bullshit. I don't care about it, and that means that nobody else gets to care about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's my movie. goddammit. it! I like that you're committed to calling him JC too. It's just easier for it's me. Great. No, yep. that's fine. He is. Uh, that is the religion of this podcast. <laughs> that's probably true, actually. Uh, so, just about Carpenter making this movie, he said that uh, like the thing that gets discussed so much in this movie is the quantum mechanics and like physics of everything yeah a quote from carpenter quote i thought it would be interesting to create some sort of ultimate evil and combine it with the notion of matter and antimatter and that's just as Car you do he said his worldview changed after he just read a random quantum mechanics book and uh <laughs> yeah okay. he's one of our best guys for noticing a thing and then making a movie about it yeah that's true actually <laughs> what if fog was spooky <laughs> i didn't know this apparently halloween was inspired by he was like volunteering at a, a mental institution and he saw a kid that he was like that kid is scary i think i've heard that <laughs> yeah where he was like there's something wrong behind that kid's eyes yeah which is a weird thing to say about a kid yeah. in a mental institution it but is. you know <laughs> but we the audience get entertainment <laughs> i love the product <laughs> uh his one sentence pitch for the movie was he just said this to the producers quote the devil is buried under an la church and graduate students come to fight him <laughs> yeah. yeah fair enough here's three million dollars <laughs> <laughs> what church do you want <laughs> yeah uh, Good for them. on the quantum mechanics quote it was all mumbo jumbo anyway it's just a horror movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really i think the ultimate balance of it is that the quantum mechanics don't do shit yeah because they're unprepared they're not oh yeah you sure. know what i mean like 
they didn't know what they were the the truth was hidden from everybody in the first place which we'll we'll get into like they had no yeah. idea what they were dealing with so they did not come prepared yeah i just love the shout out to graduate students in there that yeah. specificity <laughs> that level of like <laughs> first year master's theoretical students. physics master's students yeah <laughs> so funny <laughs> Uh, screenplay is by Martin Quatermass, mm. uh, and you might see that name and be like, oh, it's weird that I've never seen that name in anything else. It's because that person doesn't exist. Oh, right, okay. It's is a, this John Carpenter? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, he so it's like a, oh, what's the fake name that the Coen brothers used? Oh, uh. You know what I'm talking Th- about. Thomas Jane or something like that? No, Thomas Jane's a real person. That's a real person. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah the, the, the editor pseudonym name of, used, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same deal. He wanted to do it here because he didn't want people coming into this movie with the strings attached of like, oh, John Carpenter wrote it. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I like that Quatermass is, it's an homage to a thriller writer named Nigel Neal who created this character named Professor Bernard Quarry- Quatermass. Oh, okay. Who is like a BBC 50s serial guy. That's cute. And he's like the main inspiration for who Doctor Who is. Like he's oh. one of these things that once you learn who Quatermass is and you start looking through, like, oh, that's what like, established oh, that's what, all these yeah. tropes. <laughs> that's what Britain was doing for 30 years, I see. Yeah. Um, and I like, like, John Carpenter wrote a fake bio for the press kit for Martin Quatermass. <laughs> so funny. Which I don't know that that's necessary because you could tell this was written by John Carpenter. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the most John Carpenter written movie. <laughs> nice tripod. Yep. Uh, and I like that when people like jokingly ask him about, oh, what's Martin Quatermass doing these days? He says, quote, now he's retired. He's an alcoholic. Most people don't want to read what he writes anyway. <laughs> he's so grumpy. Oh, he's so cranky. We love our grumpy guy. Uh, and before we get into the main thrust of the plot, let's talk about all of our actors that are here because... Our friends. We- we got to talk about Donald Pleasance. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Any name that you said after we got to talk about would be correct. <laughs> All of them are so great in this. Even the thro- the throwaway characters, great yeah. stuff. But, like, what better way to know you're going to have a good time than seeing starring Donald Pleasance be the first, yeah. first build person? <laughs> you know you're getting some good meaty scenes yeah. and like, regardless of how stupid they are i love john carpenter thinks he's like the best actor in the world really he like the there's these stories about working on halloween where uh pleasance would be like so how do you want this i can do this like one of six ways and john carpenter says just do all of them and he shoots all of them and he picks his favorite <laughs> oh. one and he's like so an actor that can do that is the best actor right <laughs> for my purposes yeah. for, to me that that would have read as do all of them at once <laughs> <laughs> Because it kind of feels like that's what he's doing. He's doing, like, ethereal, but, like, terrified, yeah. but also just world-weary, but, you know. <laughs> he can, yeah, he, in this one, it's a he little really bit, is doing all that. He's got the range. He gets his whisper voice in here a little bit. That's pretty good. Yeah, well, like I've if, watched a lot of Donald Pleasance. <laughs> if you do um, Werner Herzog without the accent, that's kind of yes. how, he, how it reads in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Only the corrupt I listen to now. They tell us what we want to hear. We believe it to be divine light. They both have... Oh, no, I was going to say, they look kind of the same. No, they're just both old white men. Yeah. (laughs) They're old balding dudes. Yeah, that is definitely what it is. That's amazing. (laughs) Donald Pleasance is in some real shitty movies, but he's a good actor. He's He's never not great in them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the very, like, Christian Bale thing of, like, I don't care what piece of shit movie I'm in, I am acting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's I great. love that. 
he's he's really good in this. Like he's, yeah, he's I feel excellent. like we're taking the DNA of the exorcist to be like, here's mm. your sad priest who feels powerless to stop the evils of the yeah. world. But he's just like really scared as well. Yeah. I, I like him a lot in this. It's it's a role that easily could have fallen by the wayside after he sort of does our setup, and it, it doesn't, and I like that. Yeah, I like that he's he, he's kind of there just, like, inserting exposition when he feels like it, which yeah. I think is a lot of fun for a character choice. Yeah. Um, but he also, like, he starts out the movie on the back foot, and he's trying to catch everybody up while he's on the back foot, and you really do feel that, like, he's unbalanced this whole time. Yeah, he never thought this responsibility would come to him, yeah. and he doesn't want it. And, like, I kind of get the feeling through that opening credit sequence that, like, nobody at the church is paying him any mind. Like, the, no. the whole church yeah. institution is just like, oh, fuck off with this shit. <laughs> we don't care about your little tiny treasure You're chest. weird, yeah. <laughs> It looks like it has a little shitty lock that, like, you could also use to open a kid's diary in the <laughs> 90s. Like, yeah. those, you remember those? Those are good. Yeah. You know. It looks like you could bash it in with a hammer. Like, the, yeah. that it's, like, made of tin or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that uh, just, he really is the glue that holds it all together. Because it is, like, just to get into the physics. It feels like uh, everybody's orbiting him and he's, like... He's got the gravity that's pulling everybody in. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Like, I'm thinking of all the monologuing scenes and stuff that he has. It really is, yes. like, everybody leaning in close to listen to him. It really drags it all together. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, the movie very much is all of these physics people. I mean, it could be, it could be such a silly kind of culture clash approach, but mm. his his approach is, like, informing how the grad students try to, to do their work and yeah. it seems like it could so easily be like go to bed old man <laughs> like old catholic church man i think that what works about it and like this is the carpenter school of a siege movie characterization where mm. there's just a bunch of types of people yeah but nobody gets any special attention really yeah. uh, except yeah. for the one mustache that's hanging out um <laughs> arguably but... the blandest man in the movie <laughs> Uh, but that we do get Donald Pleasant setting up all of this and trying to, like, trying to get everybody to play along and work together. Not, yeah. not necessarily, like, boots on the ground, but, like, he's the ideas guy, I guess. He's, yeah, he's making yeah. it all happen. Who else we got in this? We got Lisa Blount, uh, who I don't know from anything else. I think she was mostly, like, a soap opera person. Was she Catherine? Uh, the redhead? Oh, now I forget his name. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Our main lady. The main one. <laughs> yes. She's I, great. I like her in this. Yeah, I like her, too. She... Yeah. She really does embody this feeling that I feel like I can recognize out now as an old man, which is a graduate student who's like, I guess I'll put up with these guys. <laughs> I'm just trying to do math. Like, I'm just uh, trying to do my thing. Yeah. Yeah, she's what, fucks. a practical physicist who uh, has to take a theoretical physics course because she yeah. wants to, like, understand the meaning of it yeah. more. Yeah. There's a scene real early on where I'm like, it's, it is very soap opera kind of, where she's, like, been approached by Mustache Man. I can't remember his name. Brian? Brian, yeah. Yes. We'll talk about Jameson Parker. He has the exact same mustache as John Carpenter, which uh, I find so funny. <laughs> Actually, yeah, they look a lot alike, yeah. Um, but they're, you know, they he's he's clearly trying to, like, ask her for a date or whatever, and they're, like, hanging out as, as classmates. And he... I don't know, says something shitty and, like, he, he 80s says, sexist about... Yeah, he says, why oh, is it that there are any... Basically, why aren't any hot physicists around? You're yeah, not yeah. like us. How can you be smart? You're hot. Yeah, yeah exactly. And she's just like, 
that's an extremely sexist thing to say. It just says that sentence. And he's like, yeah, I'm sexist and proud of it. Like, he's he's joking, but she's clearly like, she gets this look and you can see her pressing down her <laughs> rage into just like disappointment over the course of that 30 seconds yeah. of just like, the, I'm not going to change his mind by yelling at him. I've heard this so many times before. I don't want to spend the time doing this. This isn't my problem. So you just have to like, you know, extremely pained smile and just go like, it's fine. It's not your fault. Like when he's like, why are you so mad now? And he's like reaching out at her, touching her shoulder like, hey, hey. What's wrong? wrong?" (laughs) And she just has to be like, "Uh, this this was a waste of a day. (laughs) This is, we'll get into lots of this, I'm sure. But a thing that I like about this movie, this could be me being like, John Carpenter is actually a really good writer, but it was just, like, bad writing. But <laughs> it feels to me like she she's the one that brings up Schrodinger's cat, which would have been, like, a newish idea at that time. So she, like, oh, yeah? explains it to Dennis Dunn. At okay. least a new idea in pop culture, I guess. Oh, okay, because I was like, there's no way you're explaining Schrodinger's cat to a graduate student in physics. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, All right. But, okay. yeah, th- this is a real, like, when the X-Files would have to explain what DNA is, like right. that, that type of thing. <laughs> yes, fair. Um, so she's the one that brings that up, and I do think that there's some... Something about her character is that she's the Schrodinger's cat, whether she actually likes Brian or not. <laughs> it's just kind of <laughs> yeah. like, are you just putting up with him? Are you into him? It's just, we won't know, because it doesn't we'll get observed. Never know. <gasps> I like that as the, you know, there's the, the vagaries of human experience cannot be binaried. Yeah. 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 There's a whole unseen world of women's emotions. A hidden universe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but who, to me, is another man of the hour, along with Donald Pleasance, is Victor Wong is yeah. here. Love Victor Wong. Love to see him and stuff. He is one of my, oh, he's in this movie? I will like this movie. Sure. Kind of guys. And he gives up, he is such a good professor. He's so good at, like, appearing sartorial when he's just, like, having yeah. conversations with people, being, like, He loves to discuss. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you said, like this movie is bunch of uh, full of a bunch of types of people yeah. that you recognize and know for sure. <laughs> yeah, the the wizened professor that won't let you talk because they're just asking <laughs> hypothetical questions at you. Yeah, they're having discussions with themselves. Yes, exactly. you're in the room. Um, I just want to highlight some stuff because we rarely get to talk about Victor Wong. Yeah. I just want to tell you why he's a super fascinating guy. Sure. Because he's not in a lot of stuff, but like Tremors and Big Trouble and this. He's in all the Karate Kid movies. Um, <laughs> but he was an Emmy-winning journalist. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, his Bell's palsy that re- results in his, his uh, unique facial appearance mm-hmm. is kind of what took him off the air. And then he was just like, oh. okay, I'm comfortable on camera. I'll just be an actor then. Right, yeah. Uh, but he's the creator of what's referred to as the photojournalistic essay, which is, you know how every single story is structured where it'll cut to somebody on location speaking to the camera. Yeah. Then it cuts to, like, a lot of footage showing what's happening with narration over top and then finish with the person talking to the camera again. Sure. He created that. No fucking way. And that's what he won Emmys for. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. It seems insane. Like, do you think anyone's going to ever win an Emmy for journalism ever again, the way things are going? Yeah. (laughs) That's incredible. All right. Uh, Which I think is just amazing, just to casually be the creator of that thing. And like, I'm going to go hang out with John Carpenter. everyone recognizes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. This might not be surprising, but he was a beatnik. Um, (laughs) He's got hippie hair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, actually. He does. Yeah. Uh, He was 
buds with Jack Kerouac, and like there's a bunch of fictionalized versions of him in Jack Kerouac's writing. What? The most famous one is I haven't read any Jack Kerouac, so but I, I don't know, know if you American. have or not. There's this novel, Big Sir. Um, I know of it. You know when I say Big Purr to our cat, that's what I'm referencing. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. A... Um, there you the, go. Just a bit a... about me. <laughs> That's a little bit of our home life for the listeners. Um, <laughs> there's a character named Arthur Ma in there that's just supposed to be Victor Wong. Amazing. Which is great. Right. And, like, really hack writing here of a, a person's life story. So Victor Wong is no longer with us. Uh, 9-11 happens. Victor's not in New York, but all of his sons are. I think he has two or three sons. Oh, okay. And he's worried all day because, yeah. like, of course, everybody's worried. He's watching the news. He's, like, calling his contacts to be like, I need to find my boys. I can't find them. Um, Oh, that'd be, yeah. People are, like, on the ground. The reporters are out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He finds out that they're safe at, like, midnight or 1 a.m. or something like that. Mm -hmm. He breathes a huge sigh of relief. He goes to sleep, and he never wakes up. (gasps) Shut up. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy. It's such a, like... Uh, That's uh, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, he, you would you would re, like you'd return that on the the draft board for being a little too, too much. much. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Damn, dude. Victor Wong is so cool. I love Victor Wong. <laughs> he is so magnetic. Guy. Like I know that a yeah. lot of you can roll your eyes at a lot of what he's saying in this movie, but fuck, I love every second of it. <laughs> <laughs> he has to deliver a lot of the like what feel now very dated mm. introductions to physical like physics concepts yeah so i can i yeah you spend some of the movie being like okay <laughs> i know but it all works for me 100 percent of it i, I love mean, that that's love great it. dr um, wong shout out big shout out from the pod love you buddy um <laughs> i mentioned the, the mustaches here jameson parker super boring guy <laughs> he does fine i guess <laughs> it's fine it's very it's it, again just you know a guy like him you yep. definitely do yeah <laughs> He's just the man yep. that's there. And in a movie with no characterization for anybody, he somehow gets the least, <laughs> yet the most uh, screen time. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got Dennis Dunn, who is... Dennis! I know a lot of people have a problem with his character being, like, impossible. Like, how are you this stupid and in a master's... <laughs> it's fucking uh, annoying. But he's have so you funny. met a grad student? <laughs> he's so funny to me. Everything yeah. he does is so funny to me. We've watched this a couple times now, and I, I veer back and forth between, like... Dennis, or uh, his character Walter, is Walter. so annoying versus Walter is so funny. Like, I'm mad at how funny he is because he's still annoying. Yeah. But he's so funny. Like, yeah. he has the wonderful line of, like, this is the kind of thing that like, really fuck up your weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Once he found out Satan is real. <laughs> he gets trapped in a closet with, like, people busting down the door and people go, Walter, and he goes, what the fuck do you want? Yeah. <laughs> he's Someone mad. trying to rescue him. What the fuck do you want? <laughs> Oh my god, he's so funny. He's talking to Lisa, who's like Filipino. Yeah. He's trying. He's just trying to annoy her because she's like brushing him off. Like, anyone ever tell you you could pass for Asian? And the wonderful button eventually yeah. being like, "I'm really sorry, Lisa." Lisa is attacking the the closet. Lisa, I'm sorry about what I said. You don't look Asian at all. <laughs> he's it's, so weird. He's so weird. All the like incredibly dated, unfortunate gay jokes, but they, he yes. still sells them as this is what this character would say, and he's totally oblivious. Yeah, it's still like funny. again, I don't know, I don't know how many grad students you interact with in your daily life, but like they're they're like that. Yeah, they're like that. <laughs> That's one flavor of them. <laughs> I see it's a former grad student. <laughs> yeah, I know. We can speak to the experience. <laughs> um, we got Susan Blanchard as Kelly slash Satan. <laughs> The magnetic dual role. Yeah. 
creepy She's good. goddamn makeup. Uh, yeah, great makeup in this. Excellent makeup. We have Peter Jason, which is, it's for his <laughs> first time in a Carpenter movie. He no way! He is in every single Carpenter movie. Because he's great. He is Again, great. just like a really magnetic guy to watch for some reason. Yeah. yeah, like all that dumb mouth trumpet stuff he does is, he just said to Carpenter, like, hey, what if I do this? And Carpenter's like, that's amazing. Just, yeah. Just do whatever just you want. Just do it. Be super annoying. <laughs> You're inhabiting this character very well. He's this very, like, he's on the scene. He's taking charge of things immediately, even mm. though he just showed up and knows the least. But you're like, yeah, I guess he knows what he's doing. Okay. He's funny. I love... He he is on a lot of commentaries for this movie, like wherever oh, you... Oh, nice. If you have any of the physical media. Yeah. And he is just like chumming around with Carpenter and it sounds like he had the most fun of his life making this movie. <laughs> Aw, that's In so part cool. because he was Donald Pleasance's driver. Uh, oh. Because Donald Pleasance is starting to go blind at this stage in his life. Oh, I didn't know and that. And he can't, he can't drive anymore. Sure, sure. Um, so Peter Jason is driving around, and he's just getting all these stories from Donald Pleasance, oh, and that's he's a, loving it. That's awesome. But he describes this one bit where there's, like, a monologue that Pleasance is doing, and all of the grad students have to be, like, really concentratedly listening to him. Yeah. And in all the coverage shots that are behind... Pleasance's head or Pleasance isn't in the shot and it's all the grad students. Pleasance is there just making stupid faces at everybody apparently. <laughs> so all the concentration is people trying not to laugh and Peter Jason still says that he thinks Donald Pleasance is the funniest man who has ever lived. Which is <laughs> just it's so heartwarming. That's awesome. <laughs> and he doesn't have that big of a role but I want to shout out Jesse Lawrence Ferguson as Calder. Yes. Because god damn is this dude creepy. <laughs> and like super incredible scenes that he's in oh yeah he gets he gets some real meaty shit to do for yeah. sure when he comes in everyone's like they've they've pulled together various branches of like physics like grad students so there's engineers and there's radiologists and stuff and everyone's introducing themselves to each other as they get to the church and a group you know oh i'm so and so i'm so and so i'm calder he's got this fucking <laughs> yeah. voice that you're like whomst is this <laughs> hello hello <laughs> Uh, one of the reasons I want to shout him out is I find his version of getting possessed to be the scariest. Oh, yeah. Like, it's unnerving as hell. Yeah. Big time. And he's the guy who plays the robed figure in all the dream sequences. Oh, he's very tall. He's very tall. That makes so sense. that makes sense. Kind of lanky. Yeah. So yeah, just he's great. Give me a shout out for that. And uh, rounding out our cast here, we've got Dirk Blocker of uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> fame, which is just funny. He's either Hitchcock or Scully. I can never remember which one is which oh, yeah, in the, on I. that show. But yep. uh, The one who did not appear in X-Files, hilariously. Oh. One of them was on X-Files, one of them is in this. So, But we've got our, like sci-fi horror stuff yeah, covered then. Yeah, he got Good. the chops. We've got Robert Grasmere, who's the guy who becomes bugged. Uh, oh, yes. Bug, bug man. man. Yeah. Uh, he's the head of the special effects department for this awesome. movie. Awesome. Good. Uh, and Carpenter just asked him, like, do you have any acting experience? And he replied with, I had the lead in my high school play. And so Carpenter <laughs> gave him this role. He's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I really like his death scene. His death scene's great. Yep. He gets the, I've got a message for you and you're not going to like it. Yeah. Which is one of the funniest... <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about more of how Satan's embodied in this movie later. Yes, yeah, yeah. But uh, that was like... A great line. The kickoff for most of the trailers for this movie, apparently. Oh, I, totally, yes. It's amazing. Really eerie once you realize he's just made of bugs, and that's why his voice sounds so... It's it's sort of flickery. Hello, yeah. hello. <laughs> I've got a message for you. <laughs> you're not going to like it. And you're not going to like it. <laughs> Satan's a little bitch. Uh, and he keeps the, the special effects head that he made for himself in a box in his closet because he finds it very creepy, but he doesn't want to get rid of it. Okay, well, that's the basis for its own horror movie. 
And uh, finally, we have the leader of the street people, Alice Cooper. <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> it's so funny. So I just want to talk about how he gets involved in this movie. Sure. Because it's great. He meets uh, JC at WrestleMania, which is just funny on its own. <laughs> that seems right. Cooper's agent is the head of Alive Films who makes this movie. Mm. So Cooper's like, oh, I love John Carpenter. I didn't know you were making a movie for him. Uh, ask him if I can just come and see him shoot some special effects just because I love his movies. I just... I, sure. I won't get in the way. I just want to see. Yeah. yeah. And he's down there and John Connor's like, hey, it's Alice Cooper. You want to be in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, some spots available for some schizophrenic homeless people. Yeah. And like, they're... oh, thanks. All right. So I've got to look about me as well. <laughs> he, they start shooting stuff and John Carpenter's eventually like, you know, the street people need like a leader of sorts to appear. And he how about... needs to look upsetting. Yeah. How about you, Alice Cooper? And Alice Cooper's like, yeah, great. What if I bring uh, this thing that I use in my stage act right now? I've got this impaling device that we uh. use on stage where it, like, it's a hydraulic. It shoots at the person's back. Blood fires off everywhere. And John Cooper's like, oh, that's great. Um, I love that Yes, trick. you should bring that. <laughs> so that, uh, okay. he brought that from home, that bike that he impales a guy on. <laughs> That murder weapon, it's from home. But I love that for okay. being the, like, if you're a huge Cooper fan, you're like, oh my god, he did the thing! Holy shit, that's so funny. Little <laughs> Easter egg. <laughs> Adorable. And of course, the song that the scientist who gets impaled is listening to is Prince of Darkness by Alice Cooper. Naturally. I love Do that. Do you Alice... think Alice Cooper got to sign off which song was played? Or I... were they just like, come on, it's gotta be this? I, I'm guessing it's that second yeah, one. I yeah. think that both John Carpenter and Alice Cooper don't care enough about that yeah, sort of probably. appearances that yeah. they'd be like, yeah, do whatever. Sure, that seems right. <laughs> Uh, he wants uh, John Carpenter to do a sequel. He, <laughs> I love this. I, I know this already, but Alice Cooper is like a heavy-duty born-again Christian. Um, oh, I didn't know that. And he thinks that this is one of the best biblical stories in the world, which I think is so awesome. Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs> so there he is. He's there. Uh, cinematography by Gary Kibbe. It's his first time working with Carpenter. He goes on to shoot most of Carpenter's movies hmm. after this. Cool. Music, of course, by John Carpenter and Alan Howarth. Yes, because, right. Because, of course. Yeah. That's, uh, that's our setup for this movie. I mentioned it before, but there's only... This whole movie is $3 million budget. It's so cheap. I am not going to lie. I have no... I, I can't retain, like, with inflation and stuff. I can't... I can't zero in on like what the scale of that is it's cheap for the time eh? it's, it's for what they do the smallest budget carpenters had since halloween oh okay yeah. all right is is i believe correct okay yeah. fair enough so what they're able to do here is wild for that yeah yeah because this wasn't right after the thing right? no this was... is he gets thing uh i think christine and then this okay yeah something in between yeah yeah okay so, so kinda... box office failure of the thing box office like <laughs> absolute crater failure like and catastrophic like pure ire from yeah. the world go and listen to our the thing episode for more on that uh he does so christine he gets... as a like make good movie of, right like... like it's an established property people like stephen king it's fine it's hard to fuck up yeah, yeah. i like christine a lot i like christine a lot too um and then a small budget for this yep okay because alive films is like super independent and, oh i see okay. yeah so they literally just don't have the money. <laughs> yep, fair enough. You rep um, Alice Cooper, come on. Yeah, I know. It's funny. All right. Uh, but let's, yeah, let's talk about what happens throughout this movie then. That credit sequence is amazing that we already talked about, which gives way to the spookiest basement set. I love the, <laughs> yeah. like, when you're aware how cheap this movie is, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's a series of, like, five rooms and people talking about sure. things in rooms. But the the canister, the Satan goo, is so... Satan soup. Satan soup. Spooky soup. <laughs> it's so 
you can't take your eyes off it. It's just really wholly absorbing whenever it's in a shot. Yeah. It's so great. It looks like it has a personality. Yeah. It looks... It looks like it's looking back at you. Yeah. yeah. It looks malicious. Yeah. yeah. I know. I don't know how they do it. That <laughs> basement set also really the living embodiment of, you know, candles, $3,600, <laughs> food, $15. Please help me budget. My family is dying. <laughs> so many candles. So many candles. Yeah. And I love... There's so many crucifixes because, yeah... Sure. Uh, duh. But it just makes it feel like this is the best security system that the Catholic yeah. Church could come up with. Like, the Brotherhood of Sleep is like, I think we need, like, a dozen more. Yeah. <laughs> I I have no way to measure this. <laughs> yeah, so the the setup, you know, the, the initial, like, framing being the Brotherhood of Sleep is sort of on its last legs. Yeah. It knows about this canister that apparently contains Satan. Do you want... I, I can give you a rundown of what the... Theology is here. The, 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 the... Sure, yeah. Yeah, just to give us, like... Theology. They blow past this so fast, but they blow past so many enormous topics, like quantum mechanics. Well, now we know what it is, but if you're watching this in the 80s, it would have been like, what the what fuck the are you talking about? Like, okay. There's yeah. a couple lines early on about how uh, Lisa Blount's character is saying that uh, this is what Einstein couldn't even get. And yeah. if you're a layman watching this, you're like, wait, Einstein was wrong about something? Like, that would be <laughs> yeah, okay. a weird moment. This idea that, like, we there, we know there's a science, but we don't know what the fuck it is. We have no way of measuring it. We have no way of checking if we're right. Like, I could have the timelines wrong in this, but this is about when dark matter starts getting talked about seriously. Ooh, okay. So, like... Well, they start, you know, there's that uh, Brian's TV is on in the background as he studies, and they're mm. announcing, like, oh, my God, we discovered something called a black hole. Yeah. Like, it's really new and fresh. Yeah, supernova stuff. To have stuff. this antimatter idea. Yeah. yeah. So, the religious side of it is the glass cylinder was buried in the Middle East uh, seven million years ago. Right, yeah. By the father of Satan. Yes, which we'll get into in a minute. Yep. Uh, and the father of Satan is a god that ruled the planet Earth. He was exiled by the human race. Uh, but before that sealed his son, Satan is like a sleeper cell, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know how you just can't get rid of bed bugs because their <laughs> eggs take like a week to hatch, you know. Um, and so fast forward 6.9 million, 6.999 million years, uh, the alien, Jesus Christ, shows up. Uh, We're all he, familiar, yes. <laughs> he's an alien of humanoid shape and he starts to like try to tell humanity about the answer. So he really is like extraterrestrial pest control. Yeah, he's trying okay. to come in to be like, hey, you guys got to do something. Hey, least. just so you know, this is going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, and uh, humanity kills him. And uh, <laughs> we nailed him to something. <laughs> we sure did. Uh, <laughs> a, we're fun. A shot with a pigeon in this doing a similar thing. Yes, right. Real fucked up image that's just very yeah, upsetting. Yeah, that feels like something Ellis Cooper would have designed also. But yeah. Satan, Father Satan's idea is that he's leaving... Uh, the canister here until the time when the human race possesses enough technology. I think the idea is Satan's like leaving it there to be like, oh, humanity is going to dig this up and let him out. But Jesus, Jesus's side of the aliens is like, oh, we have to wait until they get enough physics knowledge to yeah. be able to defeat this thing. Right. The way that like, you know, the Vulcans don't make first contact until yes. they know you can do warp. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Give it to me in Star Trek, could you? <laughs> no, no, yeah, that's that's what I'm like, Jesus being very, like, hands-off of, like, I'll let you guys figure out your problem. Mm. I will give you the heads up so that you can start developing tools to defeat Satan, and then we just don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like... 
the thing that I grappled with a long time for the well, the, the first watch of this is anti-God and Satan are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the the biggest bad possible in Christian theology, at least, is Satan. There's yes. no father of Satan. Yeah, that's it, not real. I like, yeah, the worst thing that's in the Bible is just like expired soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A thing you forgot at the back of the staff fridge. And the thing I love throughout this entire movie, we already talked about it a little bit, but Satan Goo is the the visceralness of the the I love all the special effects of, of how the liquid works in this, but like yeah. it's so visceral of just like spraying you in the mouth like Ugh. you're a bad cat or yeah. something. <laughs> it's so gross. It's super... I love the reveal of like the the first kind of victim to go down into the basement. And you can hear a dripping. You're like, mm. this canister, canister is sealed. It should not be dripping. And you look, and it's dripping up and yeah. collecting on the ceiling. And she looks all the way up, and there's just this, like, roiling lake on the ceiling. It's so good. It's so good. And it comes right before right before that is, I believe, that character is saying, it's okay, the lock's on the inside. So yeah, it yeah. becomes a, like, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, then how is it locked, guys? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but Satan is just such a taunty bitch in this, which I feel like does line up with how he's yeah. often portrayed. <laughs> I think across theologies, it's always Satan is either like he's, you know, he's not the king of darkness. He's the prince of darkness. He's yeah. a little bitch, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a Nepo baby. <laughs> yes, exactly. Nepo baby Satan. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think I've yeah. got our title for our episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just want to run down some of my favorite taunts from Satan in this. Please. Uh, the I've got a message from you scene, it accomplishes absolutely nothing. No, it's just there to fuck them up. That's yeah. all. He doesn't get any information across. No, his, his message is, pray for death. Yeah, he's just telling his bug army, like, hey, make a guy and yeah. shout at them. <laughs> It'll be funny. <laughs> Try and do a larynx, you know, like a yeah. like a voice box. <laughs> We've been working on those guys. Come on. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's such a cool practical special effect, yeah. too. Love all that. Yeah. That's great. Um, this It's the most dated, I feel like, and the stupidest a character comes across, but um, Calder watching Lisa typing I live over and over again. After she like, gets possessed, yeah, yeah. you will not be saved, typing out all that, and Calder's yeah. just staying the screen being like, oh, it's crazy that the huh. book says that, I guess. <laughs> and that she's not blinking anymore. <laughs> it's probably fine. Uh, the torturing, the internal torturing of Calder, which is what I assume oh. is happening. I think he might, yeah, he, he might have the most moral fortitude of all of them, and he manages to fight it off for a bit, long enough to kill himself. Yeah. Yeah. But death is not the end for him, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And the one that I hadn't thought about much until this watch is the way that the, uh, the street lady who eventually kills Mullet Man, that becomes the yeah, yeah. she's so weird to the priest when he arrives. Yeah. But, like... That's just Satan being like, oh, Father, oh. it's so great that you're in the church. You're so nice. Let you're me kiss so your hand. You're so smart. Let's <laughs> cover with bugs. <laughs> yeah, do you think all of the, the people on the street are possessed or they're just, you know, they have no kind of veil between them and the horrors of the universe or what? I think it's just a, a proximity thing. Mm. I think that they're just around it for so long that they're... Cause oh, you, yeah. You look around the neighborhood and there's nothing. Like, that is a rundown neighborhood. I think it's a, such a, a cool placement. You really get no sense of where in the city they are or yeah. even what city it is, right? It's, is it supposed to be L.A.? Is it, it is L.A. To, too. Okay. It's okay. some weird rundown area. And, like, they don't do anything. That's just what that place looks like. They yeah, yeah, do, yeah. Like, it seems so much... And I know this is kind of a, a very specific American thing of, like... 
they just could not sustain that part, that neighborhood or that yeah. town or that whatever. And so it just was abandoned. And now people kind of make use of it as they need to, but there's no official owner. So nobody does the upkeep. And mm. like, you know, it's just a, it, it, it shouldn't be abandoned, but it was because nobody could, could put the time into it. And just like, for lack of, proper taxation <laughs> this this important church has gone under it's just an interesting neighborhood there's it's clearly yeah. seedy yes in that way you know? very much like you look at the the church looms large over everything yeah which I it think looks it, like it shouldn't be there and it's shot so cool like whenever a character is walking up to the, it for the first time it really carpenter's so good at using like the full widescreen for everything mm. you always have Again, so rewatchable. You always have something to watch in every shot. Yeah. And all the ones of characters approaching the church, it really feels like the build. This like square building is looming over them somehow. I yeah, love it. like it's so much taller than it is. Yeah. Yeah. But it, like part of that is no. I think that every other building is like two story tops around them. Yeah. It just really feels like just never got built up. People just left because they didn't like it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So my feeling is very much like, oh, he's just. Like, sure, Satan's <laughs> charging up his powers or whatever, but, like, he's getting lots of practice on people hanging out nearby. Yeah, it feels a lot like like a blight is there and people just are like, I'm just going to leave. Yeah. I don't like this. And if you have nowhere else to go, then you just get corrupted. Yeah. Yeah. Which starts to happen to them through all their dreams and stuff, too. Like, yes. I, I wonder how much of that is the beginning of a possession type deal. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 Can I tell you a funny shot that occurs outside of the church? Yeah. It's as Donald Pleasance is coming up, and I think it is where the woman kind of approaches him like, oh, Father, I'm mm. so glad to see you. Mm. And the sign above his head, it's it's clearly for, like, photo developing or glasses or something. Sure. I can't tell what the business is, but the sign that keeps hanging over his head in that shot says, while you wait, which I really like. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> it was just very funny. I have no idea if it was intentional, but it made me laugh. I'm sure that's a show up to the location like oh you know it'd be awesome you know it'd be so funny because <laughs> we really never see him shot from the other side you know mm. yeah. yeah yeah just fun i love that That's while great. you wait <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Dun. Yeah. yeah so the first half of this movie really is a like huge ideas being thrown around a lot of what you think is going to be like technical setup like you it's you know grad students putting together all this machinery and you're going to measure it yeah. and they do kind of get some like some numbers and some concrete factoids but but i feel like it's just enough to be like so this is impossible yeah so <laughs> um i actually <laughs> there needs to be a real uh preliminary like fact here which is that it's satan yeah i think you should call somebody actually with a degree yeah um, <laughs> there's also the unpaid labor of it all yes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just enough like i went back and forth on this i remember watching it the first time being like oh amazing vibes to this movie and then the second time being like so there's really nothing in here isn't yeah <laughs> to this time around being like no it's just being he's just presenting enough of ideas to be like here's why it was important that we included the fact that these are people who are trying to interpret stuff that they know doesn't make, like, common sense. Yeah, I think it's important that they are theoretical physicists yeah. because they their job is to take these things that, like, some facets of their work can be measured or at least represented by numbers, but the numbers aren't the thing itself. Yeah. And I think this setup is such a, like, you get just enough factoids that represent something about the creature they're mm. looking at like 
the you know the carbon dating on the lid is seven million years old which is so funny because doesn't it take like three months to carbon date something I anyway it's not important yeah. um, she's very good she's great she's so efficient <laughs> you know and Lisa, like, radiologist glasses you know, <laughs> i love that running gag that no one remembers who that is <laughs> it's very funny radiologist glasses um they've got x-rays of it and the lock mechanism is on the inside mm. like all of these things that together kind of push them in the direction of believing what they're being told yeah. but they're they're not the they're not the fact itself it's the the data isn't the fact you would know you what i mean you say that they have to take the rest on faith i would never say that that's oh. heresy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think it's i think it's great that they are theoretical physicists and this is their whole they're like look how you could not get a more perfect example mm. of what they want to be studying of this like thing that can be represented but not like actually yeah yeah everybody is talking about all these big ideas and the one practical physicist yeah this character is like this math doesn't work yeah like, she's the only one <laughs> she's staying the only up one with like a solution yeah exactly uh, and i think it's it's important that she ultimately is the one who solves the she has a solution she has the practical yep. mindedness yep. yes that's great. Uh, but then the back half turns into what we all want from a John Carpenter movie. <laughs> what, I, what I'm realizing is every John Carpenter movie that I really love mm. is a siege movie. Sure. Like, He's great at that. Yeah. It is just like a, your space and resources keep dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. Yeah. And I like, you can find fault in this movie. Certainly. I will say that this movie probably <laughs> got some. Um, but the pacing of it is so good. Like, yeah. Before you know it, they're already out of time. It works so well as a... You're an observer along with everybody, and you're like, yeah. oh shit, yeah, this sucks. Oh, we should have been doing something about this like 24 hours ago. <laughs> well, it's such a good microcosm of the problem they're told is the issue in the first place, is mm. that we should have been working on this 2,000 years ago. We didn't start. Pleasance is good. Um, one of the monologues that I really like from him about like... We didn't want a solution because we were salesmen and we could yeah. hoard our product and sell it to anybody that didn't have it because it's more valuable to like sell than it is to actually find a solution. Is that the same monologue he gives about how they their, a decision was made to put man at the center of? Yes, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Such a good monologue. Center, I love that. Yeah, that's good. That feels to me like the moment where all these big ideas, like, they funnel into his frustration at that point, and then it becomes like, and now that we've discussed that matter, let's deal with just having a siege movie fun time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> let's true. Let's get scary. I feel like one of the faults of this movie, if I have to pick one, is that it's very much this type of movie where the way you imagine it could be or is in your head is probably better in some places than sure. the actual movie is where I'm like oh yeah it's so cool that this thing is like infecting their space and like mm -hmm. in some scenes it's just people walking around and talking to each other yeah you know? and like you get some menacing stares and that's yes. about yeah. as much intense uh, action as you get for some stretches yeah What's, I, what I'm imagining isn't necessarily actually represented in the movie but it could be <laughs> you know <laughs> but I think that was intentional because like Carpenter's could be. a thing that I've learned more and more about him is that he's got a real like well I'll do the opposite of what I did last time type of guy because mm, okay. he's looking around at horror movies right now and he's coming to, to make this film and he's like oh they're all just knocking off Halloween uh, so I want to do something that's not Halloween and nobody liked the thing so I don't want to do something that's the thing uh, I just did Christine so I don't want to do something that's Christine right. I want to make a movie that's just vibes like he, he basically yes. has said that like <laughs> this is just is. about I even have a little quote uh, that if I can find it that's something like, um, 
I just wanted to devise something that was about cultivating dread. And like that's, yeah, that's yeah. his whole goal with this movie. Okay, sure. So he did it. Well done. <laughs> yes, um, sir. Yeah, quote, I wanted to do a movie that caused you a lot of unease and dread. Yeah, I got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can paraphrase. Yeah, that's, that's back half his vibes, where yeah. it is like, stop trying to understand. You know, yeah. <laughs> you can you can stop now. Yeah, and I think that that gets embodied too, is stop trying to understand where Satan Kelly stands up and you're like, I don't know what this is. What is going on here? Yeah. We got uh, Walter watching and being like, I don't know, her bones are gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> She seems to be morphing. Yeah. Uh, and then we get all the mirror stuff, the mirror stuff, yeah. which is so like, talk about not understanding what's happening on the first watch. It's just like, talk about pure vibes. This is like, you think about that for a second. You're like, why would Wait, that what? work? <laughs> but well, here's my theory. Ooh, if you want it, I want it. Give it to me. The mirrors are so much a like portal stand in across just human history. <laughs> yeah. You know, spooky stuff, like a witchcraft there. tool or there. Yeah. And I think it's uh, it's very much in line with the, we decided, you know, Donald is, t- Donald, the priest. I don't <laughs> think he ever has a name, right? No, he doesn't. The priest, yeah. it's just the priest. Some people say that his name is Loomis, like the, the, that's oh. that's like a fan decision. That's <laughs> sure, not a John sure. Carpenter decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The priest is talking about how after Jesus's visit, they were like, uh, kill that guy <laughs> and decided to like make man the arbiter of, mm. you know put man at the center of things as as he says mm-hmm. and mirrors are such a like look at me i'm looking at myself yeah it's look at like, me and yeah. in that like looking at yourself and perceiving yourself and and obsessing about yourself satan as a concept is so much like i think especially in judaism it's like the seed for the potential of of evil yeah it's in, like, in the, the hearts human of hearts yeah, yeah exactly and so I think a mirror is an excellent way to represent that, like, you could put yourself above all others, and that's where mm. evil starts, yeah. by just, like, focusing on yourself only. I think I think the mirrors are such a good way of doing, like, like that's where Satan lives. Yeah. He's just in that possibility. Oh, yeah. You know well, what I mean? Even, yeah, the going to another Pleasance monologue, he says that he lives in the smallest spaces and the cracks between. Like sure, all that yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. That yeah. really feels like a, like, oh, and just behind the mirror, there's Satan. And what smaller space is there than, like, you, between you and your reflection? Uh, You're the same, almost. You're almost the exact same thing. You and know that what I mean? really, like, I feel like what helps sell it to me and make me not question it at all, especially in the watching of it, is Calder... Satan up Calder watching himself in the mirror and laughing is such yeah. a like Satan being like look what I did to you yeah this thing that you thought was you it's actually me now yeah it's just meat <laughs> uh, gross yeah Calder's yeah. great especially yeah I so, think he sells the mirror thing like him obsessing about his mirror image is, mm-hmm. is so much the oh I see what Satan's going for here <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Kelly Satan reaching into her compact to be like oh <laughs> this isn't big enough my dad can't so fit so funny here. like yeah <laughs> One fingernail and like, oh, that's not going to work. <laughs> I got an idea, though. Hold on. Uh, the fun special effect thing that's incredibly dangerous and that John Carpenter even says, we should not have done this. Uh-oh. Do not do this. What's this? Is uh, the way that they did the mirror shots is that's mercury. They drained it Like out. the pool of mercury? Yeah. Like they a... drained it out of the hydraulics of their, like, camera lifts and stuff. What the fuck? There's mercury in those? Yeah. Okay. Weird. So Go they on. drained it all out, used it for like, they did all of the mercury shots within a couple minutes and those are all like prosthetics going in, obviously. Oh, like thank God. Okay, great. It's Good. kind of obvious in a few of the Kelly shots because it has I to be guess. so thick. Yeah. 
Oh, weird. Yeah. So the the behind the mirror liquid is mercury. No, no, no. Is the, what you're saying. The shot of something going into the mirror oh, where it looks very liquid. Oh, 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 got it, got it. And then so they get all those shots and they're like, okay, put all the mercury back. It's dangerous. Jesus <laughs> Christ. So they put it all back in, but the shots of the like the dark universe or whatever. Yeah, the the pool. That is literally a pool that they have taped everything over except oh. for. This one, one shot, that, that, yeah, that they're giving it bright lights, which is such a okay. like. Talk about a guy making it work on a budget. I mean, yeah, just like it's in somebody's backyard. That's all that is. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's a very like you know what it should look like if you're in a pool. So let's go to a pool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Fair enough. And we get all all of that mirror stuff is amazing. We get like it's good. Kelly reaching in and it keeps like I know this feeling watching it the first couple times is like what's gonna be what's gonna reach out and the mammoth arm oh god yeah the anti-god is so like oh that's scary um um I still don't think he's gonna fit through this yeah I would not be surprised (laughs) yeah it's very you know you're expecting like she's reaching in going father like she's clearly searching for him him. and then she starts pulling her arm back out and from the darkness like that is not illuminated by that rectangle you see these nails and these just enormous fingers you're like no thank you actually no (laughs) and we get just the hand coming out into reality and it's such a like oh this would look like classic satan like Cartoon red. Probably, right? Big claws. He probably got, like... Hoofed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Forked tail and everything. Yeah. Like, I can picture what I think it would be, which is great, because I think that it would have been a mistake to show anything more. Which is also why I like liquid. It is kind of goofy if you think about, like, oh, the devil is spooky soup. (laughs) But if you try and, like, make the devil, you're just going to be like, yeah, that's a guy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Make it liquid. That's, That's cool. So then we get uh, some axe throwing, some axe chopping, some very fun practical effects of... of, of <laughs> arms falling off, off, arms growing back. <laughs> Heads getting chopped off. There's a lot of body horror in some very almost innocuous ways. Just yeah. like having to swallow liquid that you don't know what it is. There's something so horrifying about that. Oh, everybody's reaction to it is so like, yeah, that's what it would be. Just going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then we get the... How good is Carpenter at endings? I feel like I talked about this a little <laughs> bit on the thing, but he's such a, like, old school. He loves Howard Hawks. Talked about that lots on the thing. Right. But he's the... I don't care about denouement or epilogue, but this is, like, the closest he gets, I feel like. It's such a good... Well, the way that, like, the... The, the very end scene is kind of structured the same way as the beginning where it feels like it's ramping up like mm. it's coming to a head of something because the music kicks back in yeah it's great it's super great yeah. and like lisa blount's final shot in the pool is yeah. haunting oh. Oh. terrifying hate it hate it yeah. i i think john carpenter also like on principle is opposed to doing sequels but yeah, if so. you're gonna pick one of his movies, I feel like this one is the most ripe for it because <laughs> or, she she's now the problem sort yeah. of. You know, you start getting that dream, and you're not sure if it's Brian just having a nightmare about having left Lisa behind. Mm. But she's the one coming out of the church now, and she's the risen Satan. And yeah, like this is where because this is the kind of ignored Carpenter movie. Like he gets so much of his stuff is remade and. Mm all this that like this one kind of gets ignored and it does feel ripe for it getting some kind of continued continuation of a new life be it yeah. remake or or sequelification yeah but you mentioned the dream stuff let's talk about the dream stuff because oh, boy baby. i don't it's have this great i don't have the same level of upset that i feel like a lot of people get that this gives them the ick big time 
Fair. It, it, but well, how do you feel about it? What does it make you feel? I have had dreams almost exactly like that. Oh, in, that's terrifying. In, I know. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> not not that situation, but that the dream that they start having the more they spend time in or around the church is clearly it's <laughs> like a VHS taped. Hmm. It's on, like, a video camera. Can I tell you how they of, shot this? Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that might is, illuminate. They shoot it with, like, a handhold mm. recorder or whatever. Then they play that back on a TV and film the TV. Yeah, sure. Right, yeah. So it just adds this weird dislocation kind of effect to yeah. it. Yeah, there's, like, there's static and there, where you think there wouldn't be static. and I don't know. But it's it's that feeling of, like, I I know that I'm, I'm seeing a message. You know how dreams are. Are. Like, you know there's a message coming through, but it's being slotted through so many layers of interpretation. Mm. And, like, it's I've, I've had dreams that feel almost exactly like that, where there is something coming at you. Everything's moving very slow, mm. but you have to look at it, and you can't turn away from it. And you know it's bad, but you don't know why. And, like, you, you, a lot of dreams are like this where you can't, you know, you're running through molasses or you can't yeah. punch, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's not a scary image, but it's a scary experience. You oh, know? okay, sure. Yeah. As someone who doesn't remember his dreams that much, that makes sense that I don't have that same grounding. Because yeah. the genesis of, like, I told you the one-sentence pitch, but uh, Carpenter's producer, Deborah Hill, comes to him and describes this scary dream that she has of a vaguely dark figure exiting a church that, mm. like, she woke up terrified. And Carpenter's like, oh, that's, uh, what if I develop a story around this? <laughs> what if I just make that into a movie? But I really like it conceptually as fitting into all the quantum stuff. Yeah. As a, it's a great addition. Oh, they're observing a thing, which is making it come re- come true. Sure, kind of. yeah. Like, I think it is one of these these... The same way I was saying that maybe this is how the street people start getting these dreams to start with, and then they become possessed. Like, they're the fact that they're seeing it is what is making it happen. Like, if they didn't investigate it, totally. it'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, could be. Yeah. Maybe that's what the Brotherhood of Sleep means. It means you just have to, like, not perceive Satan and he won't be real. I don't think that's actually true. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, you don't ignore a problem, then it goes away. Because that's kind of the That's the lesson opposite. I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John Carpenter. Opposite, opposite. <laughs> Um, no, I think I think that's totally it. It's it's sort of a self defeating thing, right? Where they're yeah. they're being beamed back, ostensibly. The voiceover of this dream is we're you know this message is coming to you from the year one nine nine nine, and this is the address of where this is happening. Look at what's happening, and are they causing it by you know this time loop thing of yeah, are they it causing like, it by sending this message back? That feels like it pins it in place, kind of like yeah. and then it definitely happens. Like yeah. I just I love that as a. This movie is just full of so many fuzzy ideas, yeah. and I love them all. <laughs> Again, it's one of yeah. those things that, like, it's more fun to kind of take away and think about than than the ideas are to watch necessarily. But, but it's great. It's great afterwards as well, yeah, and the I vibes like while you watch her. There's so much great Carpenter stuff that he, if he's able to plant an idea and then you imagine from there, that's what makes his movies great. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of the reason that people don't like Christine as much is because it's incredibly explicit. What's happening? On, I mean, yeah, on spooky screen. car. <laughs> yeah, it, it gonna run there's, down. There's really nothing more to it. But then, like the thing and this are so conceptually frightening. Yeah, he's great at like 
you imagine it. Spooky, yeah. huh? You know? <laughs> and he's right. <laughs> but that comes to, like, so the Apocalypse trilogy. I just want to talk for a second what this actually is, because I know oh, sure. that it's this thing of you can't really nail it down, which is why they're a trilogy of things, but it's Carpenter's version of cosmic horror. Every movie is fighting some unseen thing mm, that you can't, mm-hmm. like, the human mind can't really comprehend. Sure. But Carpenter's still trying to be, like, spooky, huh? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary, huh? But this one especially matches the thing in terms of, like, there isn't, there isn't, like, a protagonist, really. There's a pile of people yeah. where some kind of emerges, the, the, the main people. Uh, it's playing a lot with ambiguity. And I, like, I was reading something from, I think it was from The Verge, talking about how you can take the, the Apocalypse trilogy as each one challenging the faith of something. Mm. So it's the end of faith, is, is what it is. So the thing is the end of faith in your common man. Yeah. This one is the end of faith in, like, God faith. and science. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I guess the idea of faith, kind of. Which uh, is a big step up from, Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's why it's so fuzzy, because it's like, you can't point yeah. to it and be like, that's faith. <laughs> But I just, yeah. I love these these three movies, and we'll talk more about what the, the next, next one. Little teaser for what the next one is, uh, Losing Faith. Of movies about, I'm put in mind of like Argento's Mother's Trilogy, where it's like you got the mm. banger first one, a pretty okay second one, and by all means, a really bad last one. <laughs> and one that exists. Yeah, where this is like the same idea, but actually kind of executed well. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue, too, the the thing is, like, the failure in the present. This one is failure of the past, where you're, like, disappointed in the past, and the next one kind of is the failure of the future. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. Ooh. You like that? I do like that. I'm the host of this podcast (laughs) now. (laughs) You've always been the host of this podcast. Oh, wait, yeah. (laughs) Ooh! Okay. (laughs) Yeah, great, great entry in that trilogy, for sure. So that's all I really had to talk about for Prince of Darkness today. I love nice. this movie. It is, like I said, it's often maligned. And this is where I'm like, it's my second favorite Carpenter right behind the thing. I Bold. I have seen this probably more than any other Carpenter because it is a like... Yeah, it's so rewatchable. So rewatchable. Yeah. Like, yeah, something about the fact that it's so fuzzy makes every scene feel new. Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There is a lot of it that I'm like, oh yeah, that did happen <laughs> like, in this movie, right? But I've seen it around, like four times. I forgot about the whole dream aspect, and then it oh, pops how? up, and I'm like, oh yeah, oh, the right. potentially scariest part. And the I will say, I am frightened of how it ends with the the Lisa Blatt character yeah. up here. And it is a, like a real like, oh she's scary now. Okay. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. She took on scaryhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Well, I, okay, so there's this one line in, I think the very beginning where they, you know, all the grad students see this nun walk up to their professor and is like chatting with him. Oh, yeah. Oh, what would a nun be doing talking to him? And like, oh, he had this series of debates with that priest on like the BBC or something. Yeah, BBC debate series about religion versus science. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so maybe they're looking to do that again or whatever. So I would love to discuss with you, uh some of that let's have our own bbc debate so this is why you said that uh, the religious institutions would blacklist us based on this episode you were thinking maybe okay i don't know it's not all about like the religion side (laughs) of it but i just want to you know i just want to hear your thoughts on uh some of the topics of this movie i love it let's do it Okay, first of all, the quantum physics of it all. Uh, How do you think that this movie talks about 
humans dealing with unknowableness. Mm. Because there's so much initial seeding of like here's what quantum physics is that's kind of what religion is too dealing with the unknowable both of Mm. these are just like systems to try and explain Mm. a thing that can't be explained sure which is like i i am slightly rolling my eyes at me even saying that where it feels like (laughs) it's such a non oh really no (laughs) duh but i love like it feels this is hyper specific but there's a lot of Terry Pratchett books from around and just after this time. Uh, Terry Pratchett is the writer of Discworld, excellent books, mm-hmm. where there are so many jokes of his that end with because quantum, and everybody goes, oh, okay. Like, it's just such <laughs> yeah, a, like, true, yeah. oh, we know that this is unexplainable, but also we know it is probably real. Like, <laughs> Right. We've observed the effects of it enough that we can sort of say, but we have no control over it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What what do you think? Like, that's kind of where I'm starting out. I think it does have this, the Lisa character in particular, where Mm. she's coming in. She's like, I want to know what the numbers mean. And she understands that there's this, Mm. you know, the Oppenheimer of it. There's a hidden (laughs) universe, right, of, of... meaning to or or maybe not question mark to to the numbers to the verifiable impact of the physics and how we've invented this whole like like you say a system to sort of superimpose on things we don't understand and we (laughs) we've even gone so far as to be like I will never understand this. It's not understandable. Well, Common the- sense breaks down at the subatomic level. And yet we're still trying to teach a graduate course in it as if you can mark people on knowing or not knowing the unknowable. Like, <laughs> just little human beings are bugs and we're dumb and we need systems to work yeah, off do. of, you know? Like, it does make me think of how quantifiable unknowingness is, where we can be like, <laughs> well, there's 88% of dark. the universe is dark matter. Right, like, you're like, how the fuck... Do you think you know that? We don't know what it is, but we know exactly how much of it there yeah. is. It's such a, like, confusing... But I think you're full of shit. It's such a human response to I it, know, though, to be like, I know. we've sequestered this unknowable part over here. There it is. Yeah. We're going to keep trying. It's fine. But, yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, and it's such a, a similar response to Jesus, the alien, came and, and was like, <laughs> hey, just so you know, you don't know yet. There's stuff yeah. you don't know when you know come back to me we'll figure out this whole satan thing for your sake it's very altruistic of jesus alien that's i nice. can't i would love there to just be a sentence in the bible that's just like and lo he said unto them once you figure out quantum mechanics give me a call <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> <laughs> you'll know it later <laughs> knoweth it not yeah be not afraid throw <laughs> out the spooky soup yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um so i i like that as as the like humans are always trying to understand the ununderstandable, mm-hmm. but we've fallen into our own classic trap of <laughs> you literally can't. That's why it's called that. Yeah. You can't know it. It's unknowable. <laughs> yeah, and just like that. That's always our downfall. And I think it it's so present in all three of the trilogy movies. Big like time. trying yeah. to really nail down an unknowable thing. Yeah. And the trouble it gets you in. <laughs> In these, in this trilogy, the reason that we need to figure out the rules is to survive. Yeah. So it's suddenly very urgent. It's but very important, but like, it is our instinct also. Yeah, and, but so much of this movie is like, well, we didn't take the time to invest in it before. <laughs> like, yes, and well, the dang. ways that you can be like, well, I'm smart, so it'll be fine. Yeah. No. No. Nope. No. Nice. <laughs> Do you think that this movie takes a stance on the church one way or the other, the Catholic church? 
You know what? I hadn't thought about it much until I started reading the Alice Cooper interviews on it. Oh, sure. He'd have opinions. Yeah, and now I'm like, I don't think it is. I don't think it's taking a stance at all. I think it's taking the ideas of it and playing around with it. Like, it's not even a commentary. It feels much more like a, well, if this is true, then question mark? Mm. Like, like I said earlier on, I feel like Carpenter is one of our best, hey, I noticed a thing and made a movie about it, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Which can... At its basis sense, you can just be like, well, that's a stoner move of just like, hey, do you ever think about... <laughs> do you ever, like, think about what if Jesus was an alien? <laughs> yeah. What if what if Satan was a soup? That's, like, the way to make fun of it. But it is, like, at its core, it's a way not to provide commentary or satire on it, but, like, one step back from that of, well, here's what we know. What if this element got introduced? Mm. And I think it's much more a shot taken at institutions where like the way I interpret the opening credits like I said is Donald Pleasant's going to all of his church buddies and being like this is crazy and yeah. then being like yeah just go downtown and figure it out I don't know yeah. um, and the fact that it's humans that have this human institution where we put humans at the center is the fucked up problem so I guess in a way it's a kind of a shot at institu- institutionalized religion, religion. but sure. really it's more the institution than the religion part. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. Yeah. I think I kind of agree with you, but I think it does vary, like, for the same reason. I think it actually does take, like, a really direct shot at the church, which <laughs> is we treated salvation as a product. Oh, yeah, I guess there is that whole You know, he's, yeah. he's very mad about that. <laughs> like, he's having this complete mental and existential breakdown about Satan's real... Like, the things I was, like... Sure, probably, but mm. I've based my whole life on turn out to be real and that's bad for me is such a world-ending situation for him and he gets so mad that he just went along with this thing that was lying to him. Not even not even lying about Jesus being real. Yeah. Jesus was real in this movie, <laughs> but they didn't care to tell anyone why or how, <laughs> you know. I I think it very specifically does like I, I guess, yeah, like, the church is an institution made up of humans, and yeah. humans have this tendency to, like, hoard. Hoard and commodify and all that. And I mean, yeah. you can see the beginnings of they live in here, where it's like, well... Yes. What if... Oddly, like, the church in, in they live is the source of kind of their... Like, it, it empowers them a lot. Yeah. It hides the tools of the revolution, and it's it's a cover for... You know, organizing. But it is this first hint of like, well, society, everything that humans touch becomes a product that we have to sell. Yeah. And you can tell, like, Re- Carpenter's already so mad about Reagan. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this feels a lot like a, your, your literal buildings are crumbling. Mm. And if we don't all constantly stay vigilant, you know, evil is going to rise up. Well, and speaking of institutions mishandling stuff, like, this is incredibly mm. heavy, but... Again, you never know with Carpenter what he even, what he intends, but everybody is like, "Well, this movie is about AIDS." Like this very really? like exchanging of bodily fluids resulting in death, and mm. everybody's telling made up stuff about it instead of focusing on. Oh, that's an interesting the reading. humanist element. Like there, there's yeah. so much. That's what the majority of analysis I've found on this is people talking about that side of it. Yeah, and like Class and Carpenter, people come to him and be like, "Well, isn't about this?" He's like, "Sure." 
Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> everything you come to me and ask me about is true, I guess. <laughs> I love his approach, and we've said it before, I'll say it again, of just like, I'm already made the movie. Yeah, I'm done I, making I, the movie. Are you going to give me money? <laughs> yeah. I want to play Sonic. <laughs> leave me alone. Please leave me alone. It's yours now. It's your movie. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that reading, but that is a very time-specific reading yeah, like of it. We, of like, we gave you the two... We said, hey, you're going to need to put hard work in. And instead, they were like, no, it's not affecting me, so it's not a problem. And, like, the Reagan, Reagan AIDS, everything is tied up there. But, like, yeah. the reason there's so many street people is exactly yes, literally, a direct result. Exactly like, that. <laughs> yep. Oh, I love how much he hates Reagan. It's great. <laughs> there's a lot of that in his stuff. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you, John. And just a little bonus question for you. Who the fuck do you think is the dad of Satan? Like, I'm not joking. Satan is in Christian theology, which is we'll base you know this this discussion around for the purposes of that's the church in the movie. Mm. Who's worse than Satan? What do you think is the what do you think is the metaphor structure here of like? It's weird because even in Christian theology, Jesus and Satan are often sort of put on the same plane. It's not like yeah. G- it's not like Satan is the equivalent of God. Yeah, he can't be for the purposes of like the church's structure. You know what I mean? It is funny when you like sit and think about it. Yeah, he's always called the Prince of Darkness and yeah. Bible stuff and all that. They never talk about the King of Darkness. Who's like, the King of Darkness? They never yeah. talk about that, which is such a great. That's what I said before about taking. If this is true, then this yeah, feels yeah, very yeah, covered. Yeah, like, yeah, well, exactly. nobody talks about that. What if it's an anti-god? Is such a like? Yeah. Why not? I yeah. love that. That's that's such like the quantum physics of it is we accidentally stumbled upon this this thing that's a fundamental structure of the universe is that there's an anti-equivalent of everything. Mm-hmm. It seems like a real gap in the catholic church approach (laughs) where it's very like no god's the most powerful you're like you don't think there's any equivalent to god on the opposite side at all like no no there's not no i could be remembering wrong but i think in the translation that's happening that's where there's a lot of erased stuff in the book that gets Mm. shouted out as like and here's where it gets tough to translate talking about what Satan's dad did. Oh, Like okay, a lot of active okay. overwriting of history. Yeah. And we're like, we I love the idea of that book and the priest just being like, uh, nobody can know about this part. Let's overwrite that. It's yeah. a great metaphor. Yes. Yeah. But like, it is funny to, to take all this metaphorical stuff and like Satan's a goo and things. And then we get to like, actually, the anti-god is just a big red guy. Yeah. <laughs> he He's the devil, but for real, yeah. I guess. The bigger but devil. Taller. Yeah. <laughs> Beefy devil. It is very funny. That's where this movie, like, this movie is a B-movie. Yes. Taken to, like, the best heights of what a B-movie can do. But that's where it really solidifies itself as a B-movie to me, where it's like, and it actually is just a big, The devil's real, yeah. He's got bugs coming at you. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it is very cruel to treat bugs as this harbinger of doom all the time. They play a necessary function in the ecosystem, and yes, a okay, lot of it is breaking another... it down. Listen, bugs are being unfairly maligned. Another pro-bug rant. <laughs> oh, sure, you come in here with your political agenda. <laughs> After we just spent ten minutes talking about talking shit about Reagan, <laughs> bugs is where you draw that the line. All right, canceled is the bugs. <laughs> I think bugs are useful and good, and it's unfair to treat them as agents of Satan. Is right. all I'm saying. One other thing, this doesn't have to do specifically with the question that you're asking, but one That's thing okay. that I wanted to like really shout out that I think is so great when you get down to the unknowableness of stuff. Yeah, is there are so many like omens or like signs of things Mm. that 
could be absolutely nothing. Like, everybody's looking up constantly, like, is there, like, a, an eclipse happening? What's the yeah, deal? Yeah, it's also smoggy and weird, yeah. and yeah. All the bugs going crazy, the supernova, like, you could mm. become a guy who's like, oh, Satan's waking up because the supernova light is finally reaching us, and do 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 So many people are like that yeah, in real life. That could be, going back to the faith thing, that would be a, like, sure, yeah, I buy that. If you believe that, then... Obviously, that's what this would feel like. Yeah. yeah. But you can also just be like, it's just a thing that's happening. Like, is yeah. Brian's uh, TV full of ants because he's a graduate student who doesn't have a trash can <laughs> and is just his apartment's full is of rotten food? Is this a feature of student housing? Maybe yeah. it is, yeah. And it just, it really, I don't know, that that stuff more than anything, being the back, the wallpaper mm. of this movie about binaries, like trying to force a binary on something is yes. really interesting, where it's yeah. like... It's either old or it's new. It's, it's either... either a harbinger or it's nature. Like, it's just normal. Yeah. yeah. I just, I really love all of that stuff. Just really wanted to... I think that's that's such a uh, an important part of it, too. It's like death and decay is a very normal part of the life cycle. And, yeah. But religion has this way of being like, but not for us. But like, no, for you. Like, you will decay. Mm. And that's fine. <laughs> Again, don't treat the bugs as spooky. They're just, they're, they're helping. Just That's what they're supposed to do. And that you can even funnel that back into Pleasance's whole thing about putting humanity at the center. Like, yes, totally. If yeah. you remove that underpinning, then it is just like, oh yeah, they're just bugs hanging out. They're yeah. not doing anything crazy. But if you put humanity at the center of everything, it's like, those bugs are harming me. Yeah. They're out to get me. Like, no, sir. They don't give a shit about you. The thing that's actually going to harm you is a person coming at with you with half a scissor and stabbing you. Yeah. <laughs> Ellis Cooper will put a bicycle through you. Yes, exactly. Bicycle. <laughs> that guy was bicycled. Yes, he was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's all I. That's all I have for Prince of Darkness. Full stop. Anything else on your side? No. Or shall that's we talk? that's it. I love the I love the weird agro church approach of of this movie where it's just like yeah fuck the institutions <laughs> in both like you know in theory ended practice. <laughs> It's rare um, that you get both. Yes, it is actually. Yeah, and I I love the disintegration of the movie into chaos and B movie and and like just spooky vibes. Yeah. So let's do a little review review and then go on to our takeaways. Let's do. Uh, what have you brought for us today? I got two here, so I can go first and then. Oh, okay. If you've got one, we can. Uh... To be honest, I had a, a hard time finding um, ones. Maybe it is just that like this is a an over a somewhat overlooked Carpenter in its time. And I think that it because it is just purely vibes. It's either a, you absolutely love it or you're just like I forgot about that movie before it was over. Like it's one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> two types of things. Yeah. So uh, a bit that I enjoyed in the Roger Ebert review of the time about mm. it. He he didn't he he liked the setup and he liked parts of it, but he he felt that the execution was lacking. Oh, fair enough. One of the sentences that I enjoy from it is when we're threatened with Armageddon we expect more than he people hitting each other over the head with two by fours <laughs> <laughs> which personally I love yeah, that's and, exactly what I expect though, yeah so <laughs> when you get down to it although a lot of the end of the world is going to be people hitting each other with two by fours because that's what people do you know what I mean that's a garbage prediction <laughs> and the part that I really like because I don't know if he's met any 
grad school students. <laughs> when the characters are all introduced as competent, physis- uh, competent physicists in their own right, we don't expect them to make the most common mistake of our, all horror movie characters, which is to wander off alone and present themselves as the entity's next victim. Have you met a grad I student? Think, yeah. They are constantly trying to, like, they want to be left alone to do their work. They try not to interact with other people. And they think they're right about it. Yes, everything. exactly. So they they're... think that they are intrinsically smart. Yeah. And some of them are, you know, they is a, you know humans as a whole graduates are a monolith we know this <laughs> the graduate experience shout out to our graduate students listening <laughs> you guys are exactly as bright as any other person uh, <laughs> i was one no yeah uh, i like his shout out of that because it presents it as a flaw in the review but i think that is kind of the point is that by thinking you're smarter than what's happening you are by definition, going to be yeah like, dumber. You're yeah. you're not you're not thinking about the stuff you might not know, mm. and that's what's going to get you in the yeah. end. <laughs> yeah, nice. Like that's that. the review I enjoyed. How about you? Nice. I'm glad you got Ebert because I I had skipped over him this week. Mm. Um, just for like a nice uh, little thing from Letterboxd, uh, user Flash Nand. I too think normally I love being dominated by women when the female incarnation of Satan traps me in a closet. <laughs> just a shout out for our boy Walter here. Walter. But I wanted to like. Post thing, critics just don't like Carpenter. Um, They've got a real beef. Yeah. So from the Washington Post, this is just a very mean line that I think is funny. (laughs) Yeah, the Washington Post review of the time. At one point, Pleasance vows that it's a secret that can no longer be kept. Here's another. The Prince of Darkness stinks. It deserves to be shut up in a canister for seven million years. (laughs) (laughs) So mean. So mean. Uh, well, we love you, John Carpenter, and your Prince of Darkness. We sure do. The most rewatchable movie we know. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I would love to hear your final takeaways. I also was like, this movie is fine when I saw it the first time. And then I was like, I remembered so much of it so vividly, mm. image-wise and vibes-wise, not plot-wise at all. <laughs> and then I rewatched it a couple more times and I was like, this movie might be great. Yeah. I really enjoy watching all of this unfold, especially if you know what's going to happen. Uh, and I just love the idea that you're trying to, yeah, impose order on, I'm glad you said about like trying to force a system where no system exists. Yeah. Even they're like the acknowledgement that the thing you're trying to study is by definition unstudiable, but by golly, we're going to award a doctorate for it anyway. Like, I love Satan studies. (laughs) Satan studies. I love the hubris of it, and I think this is one of the best hubris takedown movies. It's very good. Yeah, I love it because there is no point where. There's no point where the humans have a hand up. No, like, never. never. They are just lying once. to themselves that they do. Yeah, maybe. they're just wasting their own time. <laughs> yeah. And I love that by virtue of it being unknowable, anything you find out opens up just this whole universe of other questions yeah. in any direction you care to look. Just like, well, then who's that? <laughs> or then what does this do? Or what does it want? Or what am I doing here? You just have this vague memory of <laughs> Sunday school maybe yeah and and just you're you're venturing into this world that does not center you does not care about you and you have to impose a system on it yeah and get your way question mark yeah well actually yeah because Pleasance's whole we put humans at the center of it saying about religion but then the same could be said for science stuff of like the reason uh, totally. that yeah. the quantum mechanics is so 
weird to talk about is that you can't really talk about it in human terms. It's the... Yeah, one of the things that they say, like, common sense does not matter to yeah. quantum physics. is like, but that's the only way I, with a human brain, can experience the universe. So what am I supposed to do? Like, yeah. actually nothing. Tough shit. I don't know what to tell <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Sorry. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go live your life. Eat a sandwich. I don't know. Mm, sandwich. Mm. What about you? Well, well, just one thing I wanted to say that, like, I can't... I had said earlier on, I didn't remember much of this movie coming back to it, except the visuals for such a small yeah. budget and such a limited production. There are some amazing, like, Carpenter's whole special effects thing for this was everything has to be done in camera. We can't do anything nice. in post-processing. Yeah. Because we don't have the butt. Like, it'll just look bad. It just gives it such a immediateness to yeah. everything that's happening. Yeah. Like, the that last Very shot. Very visceral. The the couple last shots of Lisa Blount in the pool, in the mm. video, all the dream... Like, it, that's what's embedded in my brain as just, like, really chilling visual images conceptually. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Great but images. That all said... Like I said, it is a B movie. It very much is a B movie. It's <laughs> Do not be fooled. Literally by a B level studio, like that. It's... Yeah. <laughs> by any metric. Yeah. Uh, the but like John Carpenter's craft into everything is what elevates it so far. Like it's an A minus movie because of that. <laughs> B plus. Like I said, just endlessly rewatchable. I legitimately am thrilled by it every time, which is a rare thing for me. I tend mm. to. This might be a thing listeners have picked up on. I tend to, like, be very sit back and analyze rather than get caught up in sure. uh, things. But it's just so efficiently done, top to bottom. Its treatment of religion versus quantum mechanics is so off the wall, I have to love it. it just, <laughs> it's a big swing. It's a huge swing, and it, like, kind of half gets there, but I will. I the ambition of it is amazing to me. I love the questions it brings up throughout and doesn't make any attempt to answer. It's just all wallpaper for we're like spitting on each other. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it just all comes back to this like the only thing you can trust is your opinion. So what are you going to put faith into? Like that's what it all funnels back into here. Like yeah, everybody that gets told something in this movie ultimately gets proven wrong. Like it, it, it's not a real thing. Like plus right. it's being the big thing of oh your religion is actually fully literal there is nothing spiritual yeah. about this no these were dudes yeah who are real and scientists being told like oh actually your science doesn't even make sense to this thing that doesn't make sense that actually exists that you can see it just becomes this like well make up your own goddamn mind yeah. i don't know you're all adrift <laughs> yeah so that's uh where i'm at with this one nice i love this movie so much yeah uh please tell me what you would double bill with this one Okay, this, this one... Is, I feel like this is going to be a weird one for both of us, yeah. and I'm excited to hear what you got. I'm, I am I like my pairing. I feel like it it goes... It's sort of... It's, first of all, also vibes-based 100%. Excellent. It sort of addresses this idea that there could be a parallel or, like, hidden or, you know, underworld sort of universe where... Things have happened that have affected the world you live in today, but you have no concept of them. And there is a lot of, both you as the viewer and the characters in the movie, assuming they know the rules of the world, but then there's this, you know, the more you dig into it, the less you know. Yeah, like there's a, a veil that they kind of gets lifted and they're like, yeah. wait, what? Wait, I understand everything <laughs> even less now. And the idea that there's, like, always a bigger fish or always mm -hmm. a, you know, more frightening thing or a more unknowable thing. Like, sure. the more you can learn, the more you realize you don't know. Um, 
And there's also just an interesting bit of like communicating with sort of other planes of existence through TV. Oops. And then I punch a mic. <laughs> She's communicating uh, with you. <laughs> I'm communicating physically. I think I might know what your movie is. I'm excited. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to pair this with a movie that took 30 fucking years to make. It's Mad God from 2021. Oh, no, that's Phil excellent. Tippett. That's not what I thought you were going to say, but that's that rules. Nice. Yes. Okay. Yeah. If you haven't seen Mad God, it is a fully stop motion movie. Again, took 30 years to make after Phil Tippett, who was the like dinosaur effects person for Jurassic Park. He was like, oh, we're moving in this sort of direction stop motion is no longer going to be you know the way forward so he kind of he was working on the project but he was like "Eh, maybe i should put it aside so he just kind of tinkered with the on weekends kind (laughs) of thing and then went back into it and was like no i actually love this and i think it kind of made him insane i don't know yeah i think so (laughs) a lot of the time him talking about it is like yeah i don't i don't know who i am without it so uh (laughs) it's like all right phil um i think he's credited in jurassic park as dinosaur wrangler is that right that sounds right yeah. yeah anyway yeah, and it's it's just about, I mean, it's the plot is thin at best in the sense that it's almost all, it's, it's almost of, all allegories or metaphors or just imagery, just pure imagery, imagery with no grounding. Yeah, when I think of people that use the phrase pure cinema, this is what I think yeah. of. Yeah. But I like it paired with Prince of Darkness because both of them are, the plot is as thin or as thick as you want it to be. Totally. You <laughs> could impose whatever system you want on it, but it's, it's a... Uh, sort of figure credited only as the assassin which i guess gives some element of like you understand what the plot is supposed to be he has to deliver a bomb to this underworld question mark Mm. may or may not be real and he gets captured and they have their own like horrible body horror kind of methods down there and they plug his brain into they lobotomize him at some point and plug his brain into a tv to see you what his memories are. Oh, right. Which yes, I yes, love. Yes. As the, like, this is... It's a human brain trying to interpret electrical waves. That's all it is, right? Just which is a, the description of the message sent back in time in Prince of Darkness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And honestly, if you like Prince of Darkness, you're going to fucking love Mad God yes. and vice versa. They're just pure vibes. The sense of unease and of discomfort in both is so strong. And it's not pretending to answer any questions or even give you any facts really to chew on. It is a real, what if this? And then vibes. What if this? Cool, huh? Is kind of (laughs) the the summation of both of those movies. Yep. And it sort of has this, the deeper you go, the worse things are. Or like Mm. the less prepared you are. Yeah. You, yeah. And this idea that... There's, there's some nugget of it at the end that implies the cycle is going to restart and yeah. they're going to send another assassin down. He goes in with a briefcase and at one point he finds a pile of identical briefcases somewhere down there and he's like, how many of me did they send? Mm. Like, you know, there's no there's no speaking in it, I don't think. Um, there's only like some garbled lines from some, Alex Garland. Yeah, the, yeah. Or no, Alex, Alex Cox, Alex right? Cox, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's so funny. And it's just very like Charlie Brown teacher yeah. speaking, but... Yeah, both movies that, if you want to just get fucking wrecked and watch both of them, I I think you'd have a great time. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And the craft of it all, Mm -hmm. you know. It's inarguably, like, cinema in the sense of you could not put a series of more intense images on screen. Yeah, like, even if you watch Mad God and you're like, wow, I hated that, probably (laughs) a big part of you will still be like, pretty amazing that that exists. I'm kind of awed by by its production. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I'm doing. Nice. There's this, uh, the unknowable 
Yeah. What I thought you were going to say is yeah, one of the things I was uh, kind of going back and forth between this week, because uh, tell me if I'm reading this right, you're choosing Prince of Darkness as like the trashier movie in Art of yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, your, yeah. Or Art of God. Mad God. It's your Artie movie. Yes. Um, I thought, based on what you're saying, I thought you were going to choose as your Artie movie, The Rapture, Michael Tolkien's The Rapture, which is like oh, a right, 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 right. drama thriller yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that very, like, it challenges your faith and, like, you have to admit that you can't know anything and yeah. by the time you get an answer, it's too late. It's there basically to be, like, how strong is your faith, question mark? Like, how yeah. important is that? Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. So it's, because there's a point where, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the apocalypse for, happens. For the rapture, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's in the title. Yeah. <laughs> and you see Gabriel's trumpet on the TV. That, that, that's yeah. That's like... Such yeah, a funny in the, yeah, the TV in the jail. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, but that's not what I'm choosing. That that was just what Fair I enough. thought you were going for there. Great movie though, The Rapture. Very interesting. Yeah, David Duchovny in a mullet. Check it out. Oh boy. <laughs> that I know I didn't hear dialogue for like the first minute after he appeared on screen. <laughs> Your like, brain was just Christ. buzzing. <laughs> David Duchovny pre X Files. Yeah, weird stuff. Mulleted as hell. But for my pairing, I'm choosing the only movie I know that matches the pure theological inanity and insanity of <laughs> Prince of Darkness, where it's okay. just like, I don't know, I just wanted to throw a bunch of shit on Pick the screen. Pick a mix! Yeah. <laughs> but this is, uh, this is a movie that does not beat the B-movie allegations. It is... It sets you up in such a, like, wow, this is gonna be such a, like, crazy, intense, holy shit movie, and then the, like, back hour is just like, <laughs> oh, okay, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. This is 1979's The Visitor, uh, oh god <laughs> the reason I'm pairing this up is uh, mostly summed up in the first 10-15 minutes uh, let me let me give you the uh, the short version here an ancient intergalactic warrior arrives on earth to put a stop to a demonic child's plot to reproduce Satan's next generation of evil uh -huh. a lot of that doesn't really come through it's a bit of a mess <laughs> you'd never know yeah it's a bit of a huge mess but yep. that intergalactic warrior stuff uh the intergalactic warrior in question is famous director johnny houston who's like i want to say like 75 oh years my old God. he's so fragile <laughs> in this movie he's supposed to be the warrior and he spends a lot of his time like gingerly going downstairs yeah. <laughs> it's very funny it's uh, uh it's a good like so bad it's good movie it's a good kind of baffling, yeah. like, experience. It's it's an Italian, like, really low-budget kind of thing. But right. the first 15 minutes is insane. Oh, if it had been that movie, I would be like, this is the best B-movie of all time. Yeah. yeah. Like, to give you an idea of what we're working with here, uh, these are all... My understanding is that all these people are like, sure, I'll take a free trip to Rome. Um, <laughs> Which is how so many movies get made. We've got Mel Ferrer, who's, if you know him, you know him. Glenn Ford, who, if you know him, you definitely know him. Canadian boy. Uh, Shelley Winters from uh, Night of the Hunter and so many other things. We have Franco Nero as Jesus Christ. <laughs> you heard that, folks. Uh, Lance Henriksen is there. Sam Peckinpah right. is there. <laughs> John Huston is there. It's just... Oh, my God. It's nuts. But basically, the movie opens on... An intergalactic classroom and yeah. Franco Nero slash Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ. <laughs> saying like, oh, dang, Satan's up to his old tricks again on Earth. Yeah, it's very like, I must leave you, children. I have business. Like he beams in to be like, hey, John Houston, I got an assignment for you. Yeah. Uh, I it's like, like Charlie's Angels. Yeah. <laughs> but it's Satan. <laughs> 
But oh my god, this movie's fucking nuts. Uh, and not in a funny way, just in a like, what the fuck? It's pr- it's a little funny. I mean, it's it is funny, one of these movies that was described to me as like the craziest movie you've ever seen, and I, I believed know. it for twenty minutes, and I know, then you I was look like, at the oh po- no way, yeah. this is bad. Um, oh no, it's just not good. <laughs> so you can have a good time with it, is what I'm saying. Yes. Um, but yeah, there's a classroom of bald children, aliens. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it is just casually like Jesus is an alien. He has like task groups he sends out to. <laughs> Take Jesus down Satan. Task Force. Yeah. Satan. <laughs> Cells that pop up. It's kind of implied that Satan is like on multiple planets. Yep. Like the panspermia theory it is there. It feels like this is the pilot episode of a TV thing where it is Charlie's Angels. Yes. Like we're going to. Yes, 100%. Every week, John Houston, as long as we can get him, will be. In as long as he's alive. <laughs> investigating another. Oh my God. Uh, groovy mystery. Yeah, the, the backing tracks of this movie are funky as hell. Funky, funky as fresh, hell. guys. Uh, instead of all the bugs you get in Prince of Darkness, there's a huge focus on birds of prey yeah. in, in this Raptors. movie. Raptors. The, mo- the movie poster looks so awesome because yes. it's like a falcon with its beak wide open and there's just an eyeball inside it. Like, the, the poster is a liar. Yeah. It looks way cooler than the it's movie is. It's this disjointed, like, first 15 minutes is cool as hell and off the wall. Then it becomes, like kind of a slasher movie yeah and then it ends nuts too it ends very silly <laughs> yeah but i remember being tired at that point of being like i don't care anymore just end it, it absolutely feels like a longer crazier movie that they had to cut down to make a one-hour pilot for a tv yes. pitch yeah absolutely 100 yeah. percent. it's worth watching once for a jesus christ factor yeah and i do mean franco nero <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so... It's very silly. That's my pairing. Where nice. I That is by far the trashier movie. I am putting Prince of Darkness on an arty pedestal because I think there is some Honestly, amazing Honestly, it's craft so tightly crafted yeah. compared to uh, The Visitor. Yeah, nice. Good choice. Thank Love you. being reminded that The Visitor exists. We're just being like, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, the reason, another reason that first 15 minutes is great is because it looks so cool. Yeah, they, but, they just said, give me... Production design, like capital P. They spent 99% of the budget in that first couple minutes, and then they're like, then the rest of it takes place surprised. in this one apartment. Yeah. <laughs> in like a weirdly 70s holdover decorated apartment. Yeah. 100%. So check out Mad God, check out The Visitor, check out Prince of Darkness if you haven't, and why not check out The Rapture, Michael Tolkien's The Rapture. Fuck it, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Bless. So, I have so many thoughts flashing through my head. <laughs> it's that kind of movie, though. It is, yeah. Two-thirds of the way through our Apocalypse trilogy yes. of Carp Winter. Carp Winter. Next time yeah. we'll be talking about In the Mouth of Madness. Ta-da! Yeah. Get in that mouth. <laughs> Get in Sam Neill's mouth. I don't think that's the message of the movie, actually. <laughs> this podcast does not recommend you have anything to do with Sam Neill's mouth. Just <laughs> yes. want to put that out there for liability yeah, reasons. Yeah, we are absolved. Yep. Uh, massive disclaimer on every episode going out. I put them on personally because this is what I guess I'm alluding to. Uh, please. Mm. Please. Find us on social media at please Garbage Pod. We're out there on uh, Instagram mostly, but uh, we're, we're around. Find us. Uh, rate and review us wherever you may find us. Ooh, and we went and guested on the wonderful Monstrology podcast talking about the Terminator franchise. Yeah. We're getting into the nitty gritty on what a Terminator is and... Uh, Boy, some of those movies are bad, but I still like them a lot. We still had a lot of fun yeah. going through all of them for yeah. the pod. Monstrology is great. They they do, like, they highlight monsters and their place in history and pop culture. And they have a guest every episode that's one of those monsters. Yeah. We were the first human guests. Yeah. On They've had they've had doppelganger guests. But that's close, yeah. We've, we're so close. a true human. 
true true blue true blue yeah <laughs> we're getting into a weird racial yeah. thing now that i don't care for so abort yep but yes go go listen to the all of the episodes of monstrology but, but you can start with ours. <laughs> the terminator it's franchise. a good crossover episode true you like movies then go and listen to that one and take it from there you'll love it yep and uh please come back and join us for another pile of garbage in the future the future being sent back to you as a dream sequence from the year 1999 1999 we were lied to <laughs> I'm cutting it off now but that is really good why Sexual centers as a dream. But this is not a dream.